Hey everybody, this is future Sam talking from past Sam doing a little thing at the beginning. This is a, a, a sort of a trigger warning. This song is a fucking bummer. It doesn't sound like a bummer, but it is a bummer. So we talk about some stuff that you may not want to hear about, like, you know, drug addiction and the war on Iraq and uh, the war on terror and George W. Bush and some references to suicide and alcoholism and uh, uh, eating disorders. So those are kind of peppered throughout the episode. So there's not really a timestamp to, 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 to point to. So if those are things that you're like not super keen on hearing and it's not a panic at the disco song. So you can maybe skip it if that's not your, your, your vibe, but I just wanted to put it up here at the front to let you guys know what you're getting into. Um, if you continue, thank you. Um, we'll see you in the episode. If not, we'll see you next week and we hope you have a good one. So have you watched by chance the, uh, the Donald Glover adaptation of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. No, I've seen like clips of it, um, but I have not seen it. I would like. Have you seen it? Yes, and I would like to tell you it is really fucking good. Like it is one of those that when it ended, I just was like, God damn it. They haven't even announced season two yet. Is it good? Is it's it good? good. It's it's better okay. than I would have thought because even when we started watching it, and you know this is no, it will be, but this is like no major disrespect to the actor and actress of, you know, the main characters, Donald Glover, and I can't remember what her name is from Pen Fifteen, but I was like mm-hmm. the thing that worked most for. The original Mr. and Mrs. Smith is Angelina Jolie is, you know, God's gift fucking earth. And you will never change. You will never change my mind. And then Brad Pitt is also a special breed and, you know, himself. And, and it did not play into what I felt was like a time or a personality. So Donald Glover, of course, is a, a very attractive man. And Mm -hmm. it took me a minute, but the main actress is also incredibly attractive for the match of Donald Glover. Maya Maya Erskine. Thank you. And what really threw me off was I thought we were about to get into like a fucking that's just happened level of things because it does play off of like millennialisms and like late, well, yeah, late Gen Xers of do I, don't I have this level of anxiety, that kind of thing. Like, I didn't want it to play into that. I wanted, to, I wanted it to be the sexy spy game of that fucking movie. Sure. So it does take a minute to get there. But once it, like, attains that, you feel like you earn something along with the show. It's like you you okay. you feel like if it would have started out as that, it probably wouldn't have been as good. And then it gets there, and you're like, "This is this is great!" Like this, they of course like do a spin on the relationship from the film, you know, because what it starts off like in already in marriage therapy, and this like the only spoiler I'm going to say is this doesn't do that. A therapy mm-hmm. session does come, 
But I think like by that time, you're you're invested enough in this relationship to see how and why or what got them there. And then you want to see like the how or why and what gets them back to like being a loving couple. But it is like a loving killing couple. <laughs> but it sure. is. <laughs> it's like eight episodes. I don't think really any of them exceed an hour. Um, but I, I feel like we finished it all in one weekend. And that's not something that we do a whole lot, you know, just given time. But we we made our way through it. And it was like, this was actually really good. And like I said, come the end, it's like, oh, my God, please give me the resolution to this fucking major cliffhanger. Sure. And it ha- the first couple of episodes, and I think the last episode, are uh, directed by the showrunner for Atlanta. And of course, Donald and Stephen Glover, and I can't recall what his uh, other writer's name is, because you know this is the one that had like the Phoebe Waller Bridges. Um, is that the name? Yeah, um, yep. the lady from Fe- like Fleabag was going to be his creative partner on this, but given creative differences, mm. she is not that. Um, but I feel like they were able to make it still into something nice. But yeah, the when I saw the director of Atlanta's name like pop up as that show, like as the first episode ended, I was like, is this why they ended Atlanta so they could go make a spy show? <laughs> mm. Because I fucking that, I loved Atlanta. Yeah. Hero Mirai. Yes. Yes. I didn't want to butcher it. There's I, I had a purpose of not saying it. I didn't want to butcher it. <laughs> It's literally one of the easiest like Japanese names you could possibly sure. get put in front of you. It's Hiro Mirai. It's not hard. <laughs> you just have to try. Yeah. Yeah. See, sometimes when I try, I try I, wrong. But it did look interesting. I think the funny thing, the things that I've been seeing, that people were clowning, like clowning on Donald Glover because he um, he created this show, Mr. Myth and Smith, about these two supposedly hot spies that are like secretly in love with each other. Right. And he put himself opposite an Asian woman, which Mm -hmm. has been like people have clowned him for being like way too into Asian women, his entire career. Interesting. So I think people were, people were, were, uh, uh, clowning on him for that. But I'm glad that it's actually good and not like, (laughs) yeah. Well, I think like the original intent was it was going to be him like Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller Bridget, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As the star and the show writers and the show runners. And then when she dropped, she full out dropped. So he had to they yeah. like like they all scrambled to find the next person. And, you know, I feel like she's probably made that name for herself through pin 15 and all that. But I just I, I rec- good recommendation for anybody who has seen the movie and had questions about will this work? It fucking does. Like, I, th- I think it's a good adaptation. Paul Dano's in it. Yes. Yes, he is. Hell yeah. Um, and that fucking scars guard that's all over the place. Yeah. Well, let's maybe, let's maybe not get too excited about that one. Ron Perlman. Yes. What is happening? Okay. Ron, I'll have to watch Ron this. Perlman has like, he's just the spoiler. He's, he's a one, like one episode guest star, but he is fucking so good in that opposite the other two. It's great. Uh, fucking Parker Posey shows up in this. Yeah. Like that was yeah. fucking weird to see her on screen for this was not about to think that anybody of, you know, like that level of nineties fucking women, like womanhood would have come through. Yeah, for real. Uh, 
but yeah, really good. Really good. Oh, cool. Thank you for the recommendation. We ought to Parker Posey on our way into this podcast. How about that? How about that? We'll Posey Wozy in there. <laughs> friends thank you for joining us today on adam and sam at the disco it is a podcast where we talk about panic at the disco but today oh today it's a it's not about that it's about fallout boy today can you even believe it a little bit of panic at the disco but it's primarily about fallout boy come on in have a seat don't forget to close the goddamn door i was gonna try and think about a fallout boy version of that but i don't have the energy i'm sam (laughs) I'm going to close the door like Uma Thurman. How about that? No, that's the wrong album. I know. It's very terrible. I am Adam. Great. (laughs) I'm still, I was still like trying to rack my brain, but no, we, we're just still closing the goddamn door regardless of who sings the song. You know what? I don't care if you close the goddamn door. I'm Sam. Wow. We did it. I we did, did it. it. I'm still Adam. Which is which is great because that's not the song we're fucking talking about today. The song <laughs> we're talking about today is twenty dollar nosebleed. firmly entrenched ourselves in the season of i mean i guess i don't want to officially it's not season five no it's like season 4.5 but i can't put season 4.5 into spotify for podcasters so it's still technically season four right but you can consider this the unreleased tracks you consider this season 4.5 um this is our filler arc we are firmly entrenched into the half season where we're talking about Brendan Urie's guest performances, um, things that he did in between albums, songs that he appeared on as a feature, um, things of that nature. And we were going to focus on like stuff that happened in between too weird and death of a bachelor, which is when he kind of started doing that stuff. He wasn't, he didn't really guest on many things before this era right like panic well and this one's so but, early it's two, what 2008 yeah, it's so early this is like back in this is back in like pretty odd era um so we missed this one um but i thought before we move on to the more current stuff we should give this its due diligence one because it is it does fall into the category of what we're talking about this like filler arc but also um it's a great song well and we so just, this goes all the way back to 2008 yeah so. We just came off a pretty odd leaked track. So I feel like the timeline mm-hmm. is kind of weaving. We can, uh, yeah. you know what we're going to call this? We're going to call this Adam at the Disco 358 over two days. We're going to call it what? <laughs> 358 over two days? We're going to call it what? Adam and Sam. We're going to call it what? Adam and Sam at the nope. Disco. Nope. Nope. No, I'm not going to let you get away with that. That's not what you said. What did you say? What did I say? What I, did you say? I went so fast. 
<laughs> don't know. You said you said Adam at the disco. Oh, oh. ooh, no, three five eight over two days. Um, yeah, no. no, no, we're still Try here again. We're still Fuck here. Together. All right, you deserve that. No, I did. No, let say me. It again. I, I deserve that. Do it again. All right, Adam. No, do it again. Start over. Adam and Sam. Hello, friends. Welcome to. Adam and Sam at the disco, <laughs> 358 over two days. Correct. Um, 2.8. Yeah, so we're kind of going back in time as we fuck. God damn it. Um, we're going to go back and we, again, this, we do this thing where we record two episodes uh, whenever we record. And so we don't have any new um, things to talk about because we just recorded Lullaby. Yeah. Moment, like, uh, like 20 minutes ago. So no new, I just refreshed the page to make sure there's no new votes or new comments or anything like that. So we are ready to move into this. Yes. And I thought it would be nice, I'm not going to do a full overview, but I thought it'd be nice to go over some details about Fully I Do and kind of yeah. talk about that album yeah. really quick. So Fully I Do, which is French for a madness shared by two, which is... Not only the subtitle for the new Joker movie, I don't know if y'all knew that, it's featuring Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, um, but it is a, um, a disorder. Um, it's also known as shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder, SDD, which is a rare psychiatric synd- syndrome in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucination are, bless you, Sorry. are transmitted from one individual to another. <laughs> so... <laughs> Just got to came out. <laughs> Sometimes it just got to So that should give you an idea of like where they were at when they were when they were doing this album. Um, and the songs do kind of like fit into that puzzle. Um, it came out on December tenth, two thousand eight. Um, it's the Fallout Boy's fourth studio album, and it was actually it's it was on Island Records. That was the label. It was not um, Decadence or DCD two or Feel by Rum. It was Island. Um, and I didn't know this. It was also produced by um, by uh, Pharrell Williams and Neil Avery. Interesting. Pharrell was a producer on this. Huh. So that was not something that I knew about or thought about. Um, but yeah. Wow. Um, well, actually, it's actually really because I because I think about it, so when you think about Pharrell, like you know about like that four count thing that he does, mm-hmm. where it's like the, the, his signature is dum, dum, like three beats or four beats, and then the song goes in. So if you listen to the song um, WAMS, the way that it starts, and I'll, I'll play a little clip of it here. The very beginning of the song is, yeah. and it's that four count. So I don't, I didn't even think about that. That's actually really, really interesting. So yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Crossovers yeah, so everywhere. Crossovers everywhere. So here's that, here's that signature tag. If you don't know about Pharrell's four count signature tag. Um, they recorded the album in a regular, so I think Pharrell was just a producer on that track and then Neil Avron was their, um, producer for the rest of the album, which would make sense because it's just that one song that has that beat and he's the only one listed as a, uh, he's only listed on that one as a writer. Um, but, uh, it was recorded in, uh, relative secrecy from July to September, 2008. Um, and the, the album's about, um, Decaying relationships, moral dilemmas, societal shortcomings, and met some political edge in there. Um, and they kind of moved away from early emo power chords 
towards a wider variation in genres. Um, and then this is the thing that I do want to talk about. So that's kind of like all we'll talk about as far as the um, the the overview for this album goes. Um, uh, they recorded at the Past Studios and the Casita in Hollywood, California, and it's listed as power pop, pop rock, pop R and B, R and B, interesting, pop punk, interesting. and alternative rock in their genres. Um, I can see some R and B in there. I can, it, it makes sense to me. Um, so this is the thing that I mentioned last week that I had something to say about this album and like its usage of certain things. Um, fallout boy recruited several guest artists for fully. I do as well as employing instruments and recording techniques previously unfamiliar to the group. So there's a lot of guest, like guest features on this album. A so lot. Brendan obviously is one. He was on $20 nosebleed. They got, um, they got Debbie Harry, the lead singer of fucking Blondie on uh, West coast smoker, which is nice. the last song. They got Lil Wayne on Tiffany blues. They got um, uh, Elvis Costello on um, on Head First Slide. No, 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 no. He wasn't on Elvis for Head First Slide. He was just in What a Catch. So they got Elvis Costello. They brought in Brendan Urie. Um, again, they brought in Alexander DeLeon, who is a singer for The Cab. They brought in William Beckett, who is a singer for Academy Is. They brought in Elvis Costello. Um, they brought in Travi McCoy, who at the time was known for um, Gym Class Heroes. Um, they brought in, um, um, uh, fucking, uh, where I lost my page. They brought in Gabe Saporta, um, from, uh, Cobra Starship. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they, they brought, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like guests on this album. Yeah. And my gripe is that I don't think they used any of them effectively. No, probably not. Um, they like they all have like very short parts. Lil Wayne has one line that he repeats. Like, um, I think Debbie Harry and Elvis Costello have like the meatiest parts, but it's just like Elvis Costello's part is just singing uh, part of the chorus from Head First Slide into Cooperstown in a bad bet. Um, uh, Debbie Harry's part is pretty, pretty fucking good in West Coast Smoker. I'm not going to lie. So that's the one I won't complain about, but it's just like, even they didn't really even use Brendan that well. I think they kind of like limited him a little bit, a little bit, um, which I get like, it's, it's fallout boy. So Patrick's going to be the one that shines the most, but it's just like, I think about like how great come on was and how collaborative, um, that was with fun. And I was like, this could have been something else, but you know, whatever. Um, so that is like the one thing that I wish was like done more effectively on um, on this album is that I wish that they would have spent more time um, on uh, with the guests with the guest features because yeah. they don't really have a lot more a lot of features after this like they have um, their next album they had um, f- uh, Big Sean was on their next album he was pretty he had a good verse in that. Um, Courtney Love was on Ratatat on their next album, and her part was really good. She did, had a lot of like weird, like fast speaking parts sure. in that one. And then they had Elton John on Save Rock and Roll, that last track, and he that was a good part of that. Um, so I think Foxes was also on there too. But. Well, I think the thing about 2008 specifically is, you know, that was that was a time and era where anybody who could do anything with anyone artistically and especially musically, they they would like if you yeah. could get fucking Kanye West, you know, on your song, 
of the at that time let's go ahead and say at that time yeah um at that time yeah for sure but you know they just if you had the featuring you would open up hopefully to a whole different genre of music fans or you know but whether used well or not and i i think miles may vary wholly wholly and completely on that yeah like you see you see tiffany blues featuring lil wayne you're just like what the fuck yeah so it's just like wow okay um it just you know it just isn't like like 2000 Lil Wayne 2008 that's fucking huge right yes. yeah who like, who more of a rap star to get from 2008 other than fucking Kanye West which I'm I'm done right, saying exactly. that fucking name yeah um but yeah well that's the other thing too is they also had they also had a bonus track that was a cover of uh, Michael Jackson's Beat It that featured John Mayer but it was like guitar John Mayer not singing John Mayer so sure. that's different but. Um, so that was, that was something. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like, that's fully. I do. I really, really love fully. I do. Like I said, I think, I think that I can say now having some distance from it, that so much for Stardust has, is now my favorite follow up boy album. Sure. Um, but fully, I do was like top of that list for, for sure. So it's, it's, um, it's, um, now it's so much for Stardust fully. I do. And mania are my top three follow up boy albums. I think so. Love it. I love yeah. it. But we are specifically talking about the song $20 Nosebleed um, featuring Brendan Yuri, of course. Um, it is four minutes and 17 seconds. It was not a single, so we don't have any like any like specific um, chart information to discuss um, or anything like that. So we can kind of just get into the thing that we normally get into, which is, uh, what do you think about the song? I think it's very interesting. It's a very strange song. And like you said, the, the usage of Brendan Erie is questionable at best, mm-hmm. but I think, and I'm always going to think this getting to experience this level of like Brendan Urie exploring his sing songiness is still so fucking fun. And I think like Patrick and Brendan both playing off of each other's voices is also interesting because they don't sound alike really whatsoever. But it's like the, you know, the Nate Roos and, you know, uh, Brendan experience, like you don't think that it would work together, but it truly does. And I think the to like swing the pendulum back, though, like at least these two kind of have a level of. I don't I don't really want to say like gravelly high pitch to them, like this nasally thing that they have, um, not like the Nate Roos level of nasal, but like they as much as they don't sound alike, they do, which makes it interesting. Yeah. 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 It's interesting to pick out like I because of how much of both of them that I've listened to, it's easy for me to pick out like who is who is singing at what point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do. They do. If you're for the uninitiated, they do kind of sound similar when they're singing like just like a normal cadence. Um, decadence, like Patrick and uh, yeah, decadence, but we'll talk about this too. But like Patrick, like does stuff, um, like the, like he, he loves, he loves like the, 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 like that, like warbling, like how he like warbles his voice. He loves doing that. He does that a lot in this fucking song. Yeah. Um, and this album, but this song specifically, he does a lot of, um, yeah. uh, Fallout boys got the, Ooh, panic of the disco's got the, Oh, Oh, Mm Hmm. 
Nice juxtaposition yeah. there for all of us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They get the, the follow boys got the yeah, 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 yeah. Like they've got the they've got the fucking they've got their they've got their stuff. Yeah, puberty. Um, but yeah, overall though, I think this is this is one of I think this is one of my favorite. It's not. I don't think this is probably my favorite track on the album. Sure. I, I would love, well, I think. I think um, no, it's like what a catch. Donnie is my favorite, and then twenty dollars nosebleed. I think it's probably like my second favorite. Um, what a catch. Donnie is such a great a great song. I actually do want to talk about that a little bit later because I've got something specific to talk about with regards to Brendan Neary and that song. Um, but for now, let's talk about twenty dollars nosebleed. If there are no objections, we can talk about uh, verse one. Well, I'm not Phoenix Wright, so you're going to pass the test here. Okay, let's go. <laughs> no objection. Uh, here we go. Have you ever wanted to disappear? And join a monastery, go out and preach on Manic Street. Who will I be when I wake up next to a stranger? On a passenger plane, passenger plane. So this is interesting. And we've got some dive, some diving to do on this one. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some official annotations Verified. here from Fallout Boy. So the first line is, have you ever wanted to disappear and join a monastery, go out and preach on Manic Street? So the line, this is from Fallout Boy, it's nine years ago. The line is meant to be a direct juxtaposition to the line following it about Manic Street. Um that line, go out and preach on Manic Street, is a reference to the disappearance of Richie Edwards at the height of his personal fame. Out of the blue, he turned up missing, now thought to be dead. Um, so I, I never I never even knew this. So Richie Edwards was also known as Richie Manic. Was, um, he's from Wales, um, and he was the lyricist, lyricist and the guitarist for um, the band Manic Street Preachers. Um, and so... Uh, he on the first of February, 1995, um, when him and um, his a member of a bandmate were supposed to go on a promotional tour for their album, um, he just disappeared. Um, he uh, um, he withdrew like in the two weeks before he disappeared. He withdrew 200 pounds a day from his bank account, Jesus. which totaled. 2,800 pounds, which today is 5,500, which if we're, um, um, trans, uh, transferring that into freedom dollars is about $6,900. Um, almost, almost, almost seven. Yeah. Nice. Almost $7,000. Um, so he just up and disappeared. Um, uh, according to, Emma Forrest is quoted in a version of reason. The night before he disappeared, Edwards gave a friend a book called Novel with Cocaine, instructing her to read the introduction, which details the author staying in a mental asylum before vanishing. While staying at the Embassy Hotel in uh, Basewater Road, London, according to Rob Jovanovic's biography, Edwards removed some books and videos from his bag. Among them was a copy of the play Equus, which Ben Radcliffe was in that. Um, Edwards placed him in a box with a note that said, I love you wrapped the box like a birthday present and decorated it with collages and literary quotations, including a picture of a Germanic looking house and Bugs Bunny. The package was addressed to Edward's on off girlfriend, Joe, whom he met some years prior, although they had split a few weeks earlier. Um, Interesting. 
Yeah, there's a lot of like really. Uh, I will. Yeah, look up. Look up. Um, Richie Edwards on Wikipedia. You can kind of read. There's a whole section about his disappearance and right. presumed death. Um, uh, let's see. On th- let's see. When what dates are these? White Elementary Age, Black Rock Bus Station. I'm trying to figure out what what year this was. Edwards, I'm just going to read. Edward's sister Rachel contributed to an article about Edward's final lyrics by Guy Mankowski proposed that Sylvia Plath's poem, Tulips, summed up everything he thought at the time he went. She had a, why do I know this? Because he told me he kept a copy of it and asked for it to be read at his funeral. Rachel Edwards says his thoughts must have been dominated by this poem, the themes and messages. The poem is generally considered to depict the tension between the speaker's desire for the simplicity of death and the tulip's encouragement towards life. Um... The next morning, Edwards collected his wallet, car keyed some Prozac in his passport. He reportedly checked out of the hotel at 7 a.m., leaving his toiletries, packed suitcase, and some of his Prozac. He then drove to his flat in Cardiff, leaving behind his passport, his Prozac, and the Severn Bridge toll booth receipt. In the two weeks that followed, Edwards apparently was spotted in Newport Passport Office and uh, Newport Bus Station by a fan who was unaware that he was missing. The fan was reported to have discussed a mutual friend, Lori Fiddler, before Edwards departed. Um... This timeline was turned on its head in 2018 due to the original assumption made over the toll booth ticket. Um, it had been assumed that 2.55 on the ticket was 2.55 p.m., but in 2018, the original software engineer of the bridge was located and he confirmed the software printed out the 24-hour clock, meaning Edwards passed that location at 2.55 a.m. Therefore, the timeline of events and subsequent appeals for information were no longer valid. Jesus. On so this is 2018 now. This is like years later. Yeah. On the 7th of February, 2018, I'm assuming it doesn't say specifically, but that's what I'm guessing. A taxi driver from Newport supposedly picked up Edwards. No, is this? We're throwing no, this it back. Yeah. Been, yeah. This must've been back in the time. Taxi driver from Newport supposedly picked up Edwards from the King's hotel and drove him around the valleys, including Edwards hometown of Blackwood. Driver reported the passenger had spoken in a Cockney accent, which occasionally slipped into a Welsh one, and that he had asked if he could lie down in the back seat. Eventually, they reached Blackwood in the bus station, but the passenger reportedly said this is not the place and has to be taken to the Pontypool, Pontypool Railway Station. It was later ascertained, according to Jovanovic's account, that Pontypool did not have a telephone. The passenger got out the Severn View service station near Oust, South Gloucestershire, and paid £68 fare in cash. 14th of February, Edwards Vauxhall Cavalier received a parking ticket at the Severn View service station, and on the 17th of February, the vehicle was reported as abandoned. Police discovered the battery to be dead with evidence that the car had been lived in. The car had also had photos he'd taken of his family days prior. Due to the service station's proximity to the Severn Bridge, a known suicide site, it was widely believed that Edwards had jumped from the bridge. Edward had referred to suicide in 94, saying, in terms of the S-word, that does not enter my mind and never has done in terms of an attempt because I'm stronger than that. I might be a weak person, but I can take pain. Since then, Edwards has reportedly been sparked at a market in Goa, India, on the islands of Fertaventura and Lanzarote. And there have been other alleged sightings of Edwards, especially in the years immediately following his disappearance. However, none of these have proven conclusive and none have been confirmed by investigators. The investigation has received criticism in his 1999 book, Everything, a book about Manic Street Preachers. Simon Price states that aspects of the investigation were far from satisfactory. He asserts police may not have taken Edwards' mental state into account when prioritizing his disappearance and also records Edwards' sister, Rachel's having hit out at police handling after CCTV footage was analyzed two years after Edwards vanished. Price records um, a member of the investigation team as stating the idea that you could identify somebody from that is errant nonsense. 
While his family had the option of declaring him legally dead from 2002 onwards, they chose not to for many years, and his status remained open as a missing person until November 23rd, 2008, when he became officially presumed dead. Holy shit. That was fuck. I wound up reading that whole fucking thing. That is wild. Okay. So all of this to say, yeah, I, I need to look up more about this guy because this sounds, this sounds very mysterious and interesting. But all of this to say, this first line of verse one is about Richie Edwards' disappearance and the line, have you ever wanted to disappear? Which is kind of like... Yeah, this is already incredibly like, really deep. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, have you ever... Like, like, like Richie Manic disappeared. Yeah. And uh, have you ever wanted to just do that? Who will, who will you be then? Just Jeff, would you like to disappear and start over? And who would you be when you do that? And it also kind of references when he's on a passenger plane, like Richie being spotted in all these places, right? All yeah. these different places allegedly over the years. Like I could be, if I disappear and start over, I can be anyone I want. And yeah. who will I be? You know, I'm a stranger next to a stranger on a plane going to my next destination. So what the fuck? That's what wild. The fuck, that is a man. wild yeah. reference to start the song. No shit. We have never opened uh, up anything so heavy on any song intentionally. Yeah, I don't think I don't not intentionally. No. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a lot. I think that's pretty much like the analysis. I think just reading all that stuff about Richie was like enough yeah. to kind of get the vibe for what we're getting into with this fucking song. Um, but what we can do now is we can listen to the, um, uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to listen to the pre-chorus and the chorus. Um, cause they kind of like blend into each other. Um, so the pre-chorus is where Brendan comes in. So Brendan is the one that's singing the pre-chorus. Um, and then Patrick chimes in on like the, like the, um, well, they have the people ever heard of the, yeah, right. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so let's listen to the pre chorus and the chorus. So this is interesting, right? So this is a direct, the pre-chorus is a direct response to the first verse where it's this wondering of like, what happens if I do disappear and become a stranger and start my life over? Yeah. But then you get into the pre-chorus, permanent jet lag, please take me back. I'm stray dog sick. I'm a stray dog sick, which is another verified annotation. That moment when you are so desperate to come back, you're like a stray dog at the door kind of pathetic, kind of endearing, depending on the perspective. So it's like, wow, maybe I regret doing this. And I yes. just, I, I'm, I, I want to come back to my old life. 
And I think like it's it's going to be a little hard to like speak on this now, knowing the very heavy reasoning behind that first like that first verse that bleeds throughout the rest of the song is Mm -hmm. like what you know what if that decision was not made what if you did just go back home like running away sounds great or man is this episode about to get fucking heavy like god damn it like sure fuck it we do it like I, i think like as much as every person's at the end of their rope is at the end of their gun is at the end of their knife like what if you didn't and i i know that's like a very quick dismissal way like dismissive way to put that but what if that wasn't the ultimate choice? What if disappearing didn't fix everything and you're really just having the world weighing on you? Like in the way that a jet lag does, like if you're flying multiple hours, if you're flying across country, if you're flying for any point, especially between time zones, that's where that jet lag comes in and you don't feel like yourself. You feel like you can't catch up with yourself or the world. So no matter how hard you're trying to escape, your own body is saying, this isn't like, this isn't the way to go. Just take me home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which again is like that dichotomy. Like this whole song is about like, like it's talking about like fucking drugs and stuff like that. And so you right. have this last line as well, which is talking about the mad keys tripping, singing vows before we exchange smoke rings. And, um, uh, um, a key is another word for like a plug. Right. I don't know if you knew that. So talking about like, like I'm straight oxic, please let me in the, the, the plugs fucking crazy, but I need, I need this. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll say, I, we, we're exchanging smoke rings. These are the drugs. And like, I'm, I'll say, I'll sing my vows. I'll say anything to like, get, get back in essentially. Yeah. Um, so that is, uh, that is the pre-chorus and then we get into the chorus, which, it, <laughs> which is about a, a, a fucking Benzedrine. Mm-hmm. So give me a pen. Call me Mr. Benzedrine. Don't let the doctor in. I want to blow off steam. Yeah. And Brendan and Patrick are singing this together. So they're, they're singing this at the same time. Um, so there's a there's a line here about Mr. Benjadrine, which is another verified annotation. It has been suggested that Jack Kerouac wrote all of On the Road on a continuous piece of paper while on the drug Benzadrine. Jesus. Which is a, a like I the way that Patrick Stump or Pete, it was probably Pete, honestly, the way that Pete annotizes genius versus the way that Brendan annotizes genius yeah. are so different. Cause I feel like Brendan just word vomits like whatever, and Pete's just like I'm fucking crazy. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. It is what it is, man. You get what you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you don't know what Benzedrine is, it's a fucking uh, psychostimulant type of amphetamine. Um, and when it was first created, it was available uh, without prescription um, as a decongestant, uh, which is wild. Yeah. Um, that but $20 it, a pill. It was, yeah, but it was, yeah, exactly. But it was used in World War II to help combat fatigue. 
So all these soldiers that were fucking tired of shit from fighting Nazis, it was used as to fight. Con- it's a fucking amphetamine. It's supposed to get you wired. Yeah. Like, like we all watched this, the Saved by the Bell episode where Jesse took fucking caffeine pills, but it was really like fucking Adderall. It was supposed to be Adderall, but they couldn't say Adderall. Right. Like we know how it works. It's an amphetamine. So it's supposed to get you wired and up. So it's these, all these tired fucking soldiers would take Benzedrine to fucking Man. get them going again after they've been fucking marching and fighting for so long. It's wild. So that ties back into this thing. Give me a pen where he's talking about like, um, like I'm an artist. I need this Benjamin to keep me going so I can finish writing this fucking album. Um, so, so yeah, that's where that comes from. And then don't let the doctor in. I want to blow off steam, which is just like, I don't need help. I just want to get this done. I want to yeah. do this. I need to, I need to be writing so I can like get all my thoughts out and fucking like my brain's fucked up. I'm thinking about disappearing like Richie Bannock. Like I just like, or maybe I'm not like, I don't know what's going on. So right. Just fucking get this out. Yeah. You know? Don't, don't let the doctor and he won't prescribe this for me, but sure as shit, I'll fill this out myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't let the doctor and I want to blow up scene. The doctor will tell you, no, you cannot have Benzedrine, you fucking psycho. Right. But here we go. I'm going to do it anyway. So, yeah. Ooh, man. This song is something, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is something. Um, verse two is actually funny. We're, there's not going to be a lot of analysis we're going to do for verse two, and you'll find out why in a second, because there is a genius annotation here. So let's listen to verse two. So on verse two, so the part where it says verse two, Patrick Stump, you click that genius annotation, <laughs> the verified annotation. Dang, you nailed this whole verse. So for this one, for once, which is wild, we're going to read just what genius says, because Patrick says it's Oof. just what it is. Yeah. Wow. That's never happened before. No. But okay. Um, for us. So this is new territory. So Patrick or Pete, Pete, I'm assuming it's Pete. It says follow boy, but I'm, I'm assuming it's Pete. It's He's, he writes most of the songs, if not all of them. It feels like 14 carats, but no clarity. Genius says what you see is not always what you get. It could also be that the explanation sounds right but doesn't exactly make sense in reality. A comment about how quantity does not equal quality, describing a huge diamond that isn't that good. Wow. Um, then there's a line, if you want to read this one, Adam, if yep. you're a genius. Um, the second line is, when I look at the man who would be king, the man who would be king. So if you want to read that one, because there's a big old picture of W on that. <laughs> this, this part is an overview of the 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush, the man who would control the power of the U S the man who would be King is also a red Yarp Kipling story about two Brit, two British adventurers who became Kings of Kafiristan. Nope. Kafiristan. Nope. There you go. A part of a, a part of a, a part of Afghanistan in comments on British imperialism at the time. An associate can be made. Fuck me. An association can be made between it and the we're here to institute democracy ideas of the war on terror. Yeah. Goddamn. Right. And also there's like a poet, like one oh, of Pete Wentz's classic spoken poems at the end of this, where he talks about some of this. At yes. The end, so we can talk about that later. 
Um, the next line is uh, when I look at so it's when I look at the man who would be king. The man who would be king goes to the desert. The same war his dad rehearsed. Forty third. There's a link to an article that says forty third U.S. president declares war on the Middle East in two thousand one. Uh, W's president is the 41st president, George Herbert Walker Bush, who went into war with the Middle East during his term also over an oil conflict between nations. Rehearse as an inauthentic. Overall, it was widely known that George Bush used terrorist attacks as an excuse to enter the Middle East for oil. Rehearse could also be a pun on the term theater warfare, since theatrical productions often have rehearsals beforehand. Man. Um, they do call it, they actually say the theater of war is a real fucking thing. Yeah. And yeah. like they call, they call like battlefields where fucking wars were fought theaters. If you don't know that, like that's a, that's a real fucking thing. Right. It's wild. That's such that's a the, fucking, the fucking strange term for that terminology. Is. Yeah, man. And the last line of verse two is, um, came back with flags on coffins and said, we won. Oh, we won. Holy shit. Yeah. So when a U.S. soldier falls in a war, they have a ceremony with the U.S. flag draped on top of their coffins. George Bush would constantly mention the winning of his war in the Middle East, but never mention the fallen soldiers. Death toll of American casualties since 2001 are over 13,000. This line is intentionally biting, representing Bush's celebration of victory as if it did not involve terrible tragedy on both sides. It does not feel like a win for those who don't wish to see unnecessary death. And also, it says 13,000, but keep in mind, this... um this comment was this annotation was written a decade ago. Yes. So the we the 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 amount has climbed. So also keep that in mind. And this is this is like it is a it is a political like sting, obviously, on the Bush administration both the Bush administrations and like yeah. what's going on in the Middle East, what was going on in the Middle East and stuff. But like if you think about it, like could this whole thing so far be about like a soldier? who did come back from war and had to like see all this crazy stuff that he was put into. Sure. Yeah. And is like, now he's like PTSD and he's on drugs and he's trying, he's thinking about like taking Benzedrine to help fight this fucking war and like trying his best and like writing all this stuff and writing his memoirs or something or like writing down like things like crazy stuff. Yeah, man. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, probably if, if we can see that, you know, this was right. I don't know if we can only say that that's the through line, but, God damn, does it feel like it could be? Yeah. Yeah. So fuck. Yeah. So very, very pointed political statements there. Um, And yeah, fucking the fucking I've said this for a really long fucking time. The fucking war on terror, uh, what everything we did after 9-11. Like, I think it's it's a lot to be said that like the way that our country like came together on 9-11 and then like the, the days following it was like very inspirational because like. Never, never since and never again, probably will this country be as united as we were on 9-11. Absolutely not. Because that was such an unprecedented thing that happened. But then like everything that happened after in the aftermath of like declaring war on the fucking specifically the the people, the wrong fucking people for like oil and shit. Right. Specifically, it was for it was for fucking oil. Yes. And it was for footholds in the region. Like, that's what it was for. And we went after the wrong people. It was not. You know, obviously there was an excuse to get after Saddam Hussein and we could use it as like a whole fucking like there's a whole fucking pantheon of shit that you can go into talking about the fucking war on terror. That was bullshit. So it's very like pointed towards that. And like, you know, especially as somebody who was young on 9-11 like you were like, cause you're what, you're two years older, a year and a half, two years older than I am. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was still sitting in the so grade school were, classroom. Like yeah, I was so still you sitting were in the, the same, grade. Yeah. 
Yeah, you were still in the same vicinity of fucking age as me when 9-11 happened. Right. So it was like like growing up and like learning more about it and understanding like what happened is just like, that's fucking awful. Yeah. And thinking about like, this is how it was, it was, this was how this thing that happened to America that united us for like once in our goddamn life was used to further agendas. It's just like fucking get out of here. But whatever. we got the guy eventually. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not even one of those like cool motives, like not even cool motives to murder. It's still just the latter half of that statement. Like, do you want to know? Sorry. I just need, I just thought this popped in my brain. Do you want to know how I found out that fucking they got Osama bin Laden? How's that? Professional wrestling. Oh shit. John fucking Cena announced to the crowd of the show he was at that Osama bin Laden had, and I quote, been compromised to a permanent end. He announced that to the crowd at a wrestling show and they went a fucking nuts. Oh, I bet. Talk about John fucking Cena. (laughs) Jesus Christ. There is the full experience for the theater of war right there. Yeah. Tell me about it. All of it. Wow, man. Yeah. That's wild. I, I believe that I was just sitting in, my house at the time hanging out with some friends and probably you know getting high or whatever i did in 2011 or whatever that was Mm -hmm. so you know probably probably the most most patriotic thing i ever did was probably get high after osama bin laden died with as as true americans would right no fucking idiot but Um, you know i just man what what a song truly. And I, I do appreciate every sentiment that you just said, like this has never been, and I can't say that it's a political statement. It's not, it's fucking accurate, but this has never been like a politically driven show. And I, I think that level of insight is fucking nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah let's move on <laughs> please i don't want to i don't want to get no we don't want to um, live here anymore yeah so we move on to uh, so what i'm going to do here i'm going to play the pre-chorus again um because so patrick again he sings things so differently I meant to say Brendan for the pre-chorus not patrick i'm so sorry just imagine i said brendan and then leave me alone okay bye that i just i i want to appreciate the way he sings stuff it's like because the because the way he like because the way he sung it in the first pre-chorus was it was just a repetition so permanent jet lag please take me back please take me back please take me back oh, oh. and it was just like basic but then he gets into the second pre-chorus and you'll hear it but it's like please take me back ooh, ooh, ooh. like he he fucking flourishes it so i just want I just want people to hear that. So let's do that sure. really quick before the oh, please take me back. Please take me back. Please take me back. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm a straight dog sick. Please let me in. Mackie's tripping. Singing vows before we exchange smoke rings. Give me a pen. But we got the pre-chorus and the chorus. And then we got the the bridge, which isn't, which isn't, which isn't anything. So I'll do the bridge and the and verse three. Uh, 
it's literally just the bridge is literally just bop, 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 with a snapping and it's very like boppy and like bouncy which again the song isn't bouncy it's not good stuff but it's just like the 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 song is a bop and the stings of like the the dun dun of like the horns and like the it's really good yeah it is it's a nice little fucking bop yeah no it is yeah the instrumentation is really fucking good like i really really love the instruments on this song and the drums uh the drums are really good because if you get into verse three which is another like wild pointed thing only one book really matters and the rest of the proof is on the television whoa which again like leans into like that conservative like viewpoint where it's just like the bible that's clearly about the bible yes and the rest of the proof is on the television like fox news all the other stuff talking about war and stuff like that um um also i'm looking i'm realizing this uh by actually looking at the genius annotations because it seems like they know what they're talking about on this one um in conjunction with the earlier lyrics, a possible reference to the Manic Street Preachers, third studio, studio album, The Holy Bible, and final album Richie Edwards worked on. Fuck. Viewed by some as a suicide note, uh, Edwards wrote upwards of 70% of the lyrics and played a large part in the visuals of the album, doing so while hospitalized at the Priory Hospital for nervous exhaustion, alcoholism, and anorexia. Man. So, yeah. So that also kind of ties back into that. That is wild. Yeah. Good but God. again, it's it's you got that ba, 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 and the snappy and then and then it goes into the verse where it's only one book and it's like like the 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 bouncy pianos and then it goes is on the television on the and the drum and it just like it's just for what it's saying it's just so upbeat. It's yeah. just like, bro, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, this is one of those strange, like, juxtaposition songs that we've not covered yeah. on this song. Sure. Yeah, it's just so, like, like this is the juxtaposition to, like, uh, the nth degree. It's so fucking, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. Um. So what I'm going to do now here is I'm going to play the chorus again, because, again, it's different. Because you've got Brendan singing in the background of the chorus, but you've got Patrick fucking going nuts. And it starts with a woo, which you know I'm fucking a, 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 a slut for the woo. <laughs> so let's yes. listen to the chorus in the outro. So listen to that. And then you've got Patrick going crazy. Mr. Benzudri. And that's what I'm talking about. He does that warble. Yeah. With his voice that he loves to do. He does that in so many songs. Yeah. Um, And the. And he just he's just so all over the place. And I love it. He's he's a great singer. Um, I'm so glad that he beat those allegations that I've heard. Because I heard for years that Patrick Stump was a terrible live singer. Um, And. 
I'd never seen them in person before. And then I saw them last year, yeah. last summer. Yeah. And it was incredible. He was incredible. Yes. So yeah. I'm glad he beat the allegations because on the albums, also incredible. Patrick Stump. So don't sleep on Patrick. No. Um, Hell no. Yeah. But the chorus, not more, not more much about the chorus. Um, but um, again, it's just like that last part that don't let the doctor who. And, and then it just kind of like all the music like kind of like drops out and it goes, have you ever wanted to disappear? And then it just cuts. But then, oh, but then we get this. It's not me, it's you. Actually, it's the taxidermy of you and me. Untie the balloons from around my neck and ground me. Racehorse on the track, send me back to the goo factory. Always thought I'd float away and never come back. But I got enough miles on my car to fly the boys home on my own. But you know me, I like being all alone and keeping you all alone. The charts are boring, the kids are snoring, it goes in a sling. You said you're not listening, and I said I'm wishing. And this is that classic, classic Pete Wentz. Peter Wenceslas <laughs> spoken word poetry, right? And you've got like the the I think it it sounds like to me somebody banging on the metal parts of a drum, that rhythmic bit that yeah. do, 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 yeah. do. um and it's just him talking, it's just him talking. It's not me, it's you actually at this taxi. You heard it. Um but the part um the part that uh that I was mentioning earlier is that um I've got enough miles on my car to fly the boys home on my own. And the boys are referring to, you know, the soldiers. Right. And so that's annotated by fallout boy. The essential word here is card. The idea that you can attain miles, the more you travel on certain airlines, you can use those miles for other tickets. The idea that in some capacity that I could fly the boys in Iraq and Afghanistan home on my miles, if the government wouldn't fly them back frowny face. Um, yeah. And then there's another line. The charts are boring. The kids are snoring. Um, this is the truth. Songs done by math seem to bore kids to sleep. Well, which is ref- referring the genius annotation by a fan. By charts here, he means the recent popular music. The audience is bored with the music, but they listen to it for lack of alternatives. So, so Pete is responding to that. This is the truth. Songs done by math seem to bore kids to sleep, and my ego's in a sling. Um, ego got too big and broke. Beat Wentz. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's not me, it's you is also the reversal of that, like, it's not me, it's you, it's it's not you, it's me. But, right. like, this is comf- confirming, like, it's you. Yep. Actually, it's the taxidermy of you and me. It's the, it's the, um, like, our relationship was dead and we were just, like, using its corpse to, like, move on. And, like, that was your fault, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes, makes the most sense. Yeah untie the balloons around from my neck and ground me. Um, uh, like maybe he was, he was, he was floating in the relationship, but like the balloons were tying him to it as well. And he was like unable to like breathe. And then finally the relationship is over and now, um, he can breathe again and he's on the ground again. Yeah. Just a racehorse on the track. Send me back to the glue factory. Dark. Jesus. Dark. Dark. Always thought I'd float away and never come back. This is also probably tied to the like the Richie thing. 
Um, then we get to that. I've got enough miles on my car to fly the boys home. My own thing, which is like, yeah, man. But you know me, I like being all alone and keeping you all alone. Um, so I like being alone and I'm going to keep you alone because I'm vengeful yeah. or whatever. Charts are boring. Kids are snoring. Ego's in a sling. And you say you're not listening. And I said, I'm wishing. And I said, I said, oh, I love that part. Finish. And it transitions, it transitions perfectly into West Coast Smoker, which is the last song of the album. That's the one with Debbie Harry. Nice. Oh, yeah. So that's Pete Wentz's slam poetry. Love that. Yeah. Such a strange um, finish to this already very strange dark song. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a weird thing to tack on, but also it makes the most sense <laughs> for this. Mm-hmm. Well, again, and like Pete is like Pete is like known for doing poems, and like again, there was like the stretch of time where he just didn't do them, and then so much for Stardust came in, and it's like oh, here you go, here's my poems again. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really great song. Fucking depressing as shit when you really dig into it, but there's a lot of like, really like, 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 uh, kind of like crazy stuff here. So yeah, I, there was, I did not expect us to go down the, you know, Wikipedia rabbit hole, but I'm all, I'm glad that we did. Yeah, reading about I, I really do want to read more about Richie because it seems like I I I have heard of the Manic Street Preachers, but I never really listened to them. So I think it might sure. be interesting to listen to the, the Holy Bible and just like get a vibe. It might be very depressing, but it might be a, a vibe to, to listen to. Um but yeah. I um here's something. Um we didn't do this because I just it's a, it's not a panic of the disco song, but I didn't even think about this. Um, what have the artists said about the recording of the song? Um, Patrick Stump told Pop Buzz, my favorite thing about that recording is that, yeah, so we did sing into either sides of the same microphone. It was a U48, so it could go two-sided. But the problem is, that same level, physically, I am shorter than Brendan. So I sang that whole song standing on like an Apple box is what they call it. It was really neat. And Pete is like, yeah, that's really great. It's so neat. And the whole time I'm singing like, wow, I'm a short man. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's really fucking funny. <laughs> oh man. Um we've also got um uh some uh things here featuring Brendan Yuri, Boyd, uh Boyd. produced by Fallout Boy and Neil Avrin, written by Andy Hurley, Patrick Stump, Joe Troman, and Pete Wentz. Background vocals, Joe Troman and Pete Wentz, percussion, Andy Hurley, additional vocals, Boyd. Uh, mixing engineer Neil Avrin, mastering engineer Ted Jensen. There's our boy Ted. He's here. Wow. Uh, drums Andy Hurley, assistant mixing engineer Nicholas Fournier, arranger Patrick Stump and Gary Grant. Uh, piano Boyd. Boyd. Oh, Brendan, so Brendan played, played piano in this school. Nice. Um, trombone Steve Holtman and Bill Reckenbach. Uh, trumpet Gary Grant. Whoa. Assistant recording engineer Zephyrus Sowers. Oh, that's a what cool a name. name. Zephyrus. Holy shit. No, Zephyrus is the cool name. Zephyrus, Zephyrus. is his first name. Yeah. Um, it's all great. Engineer Zephyrus. Zephyrus. Uh, engineer Eric Talaba. Uh, recording engineer Andrew Coleman. Bass guitar Peter Wenceslas. Lead guitar Joe Troman. Rhythm guitar Patrick Stump. Lead vocals Patrick Stump. Recorded at the Pass Studios and the Casita in Hollywood, California, as we said. Um, released on December 16th, 2018. Um, 
And it was sampled by Lame Crew Samarian Komer is the song title. I'm not going to find it. I don't care. No. You want to read those tags? Hell yeah. We got rock, emo pop, alternative rock, pop punk, and emo. So a little bit of, um, a little bit of, uh, uh, and uh, stuff at the end there, um, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that was deep, uh, heavy, yeah, heavy, Man. heavy episode. Lots of heavy, heavy, heavy topics there. Yes. Um, so thank thank you for joining us and, and weathering through that. Um, I will have put probably like a trigger thing at the beginning so that people know what they're getting into with the oh, song. Yeah. Um. So I haven't recorded it yet, but you will definitely hear that. And, um, yeah, thank you for, if you're still here and you're listening to that, thank you for, uh, joining us. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Next week will be a, a little lighter. Yeah. A little lighter. I think, I think next week. And I think because you keep on fucking talking about it, I think next year will be keep on, uh, keep it on. You got to keep on keeping up, which is a Travi McCoy song featuring Brendan Urie. And then the week after we're going to do love in the middle of a firefight by Dylan Francis featuring Brendan Urie. I, I truly wish that. And I think we should swap those because as much as I keep on, so? as much as I keep on keeping up, bringing that keeping fucking on, yeah. song, I, it's, it's my least favorite of the two. Okay. So you think you want to do love in the middle of a firefight? Let's do love in the middle of a firefight. I, I okay. have a huge affinity right. for that song. All right. So, well, you don't want to, you don't, don't you want to like start? Cause we're going to record both of them on the same day. So do you want to start a bummer we'll and then cheer yourself up I with mean, Dylan you know, Francis? Or, let's look at tonight. Or do you want to end? We're ending on a bummer right now. Well, we might need a little sandwich. So it's up to you. You decide, right? Do you want to do love in the middle of a firefight next week? We'll just, we'll do both. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Adam, we have to do one before the other. So make a decision God right now. Damn it. All right. We're love gonna, in the middle of a firefight. We're going to do on the on next fucking week. Travi McCoy fucking song. Next week, we're going to do Keep week. On Keeping On by Travi McCoy. Yeah. And then we're going to do Love in the Middle of a Firefight by Dylan Francis. Yeah. So the way that this is the way that this is going to kind of shake out, I think, is that so Death of a Bachelor came out in 2016. Yep. Um, at the beginning of 2016. But we're going to do um we're going to do one 2016 song that i believe came out after no 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 no. i don't think so i'm just saying i'm just saying shit to say it so we're gonna do next week we're gonna do um uh keep on keeping on then we're gonna do love in the middle of a firefight we're going to do molly by little dicky after that love and it. then i think um, I don't think there are any other singles before like non-album singles before Death of a Bachelor. Sure. Um, so I think after we do Molly, Ooh. unless we're thinking unless there's songs that we are not thinking of, after we do Molly, I think it's time for season five. Wow. Does that sound does that sound accurate? That sounds correct. It looks like that per the uh yeah. per the Wikipedia track list. Holy hell. So we are fucking almost there. Just a couple more weeks and we're gonna be there. Um so like ostensibly, um we should be getting to um we should be getting to uh, uh like mid March we should be getting into um Death of a Bachelor. Yeah. Holy shit. 
Season five is coming. So we've got just three more songs. Yeah. Yeah. Springtime. It's coming. Um, so yeah, again, that might change if we find, if we like find any like timeline songs that we didn't remember. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're coming up on it regardless. So get ready. Crazy. Fucking ready. Get fucking ready. It's about to get fun. It's about to get fun. We're having fun with everyone. Um, all right, just I just wanted to let you know, don't fucking get addicted to Ben's dream because um, we love you too much. Uh, do a good job and have a good life. And um, I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bless you. Also, by the way. <laughs>